Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Matthew Melander. He is president at Levia. We're going to talk to him about what they're doing in the beverage category in cannabis. Fascinating space, fascinating part of the industry, and some recent news we'll talk about as well. I'm just very curious and very interested in this space. I think the whole beverage category is really going to change the face of the cannabis industry, certainly cannabis use. It's, you know, where we're going from a product point of view and kind of a market point of view. This is a big part of the industry. So I'm really curious to see Matthew's kind of experience, what he's learned about it, where he sees it going, and really kind of a big a big part of the cannabis space. So with that, Matthew, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Very excited to have this conversation. Yeah, no, well, thank you for being on. So before we kind of dive into everything that's going on today, let's hear the backstory. How did you guys get into this? Well, how did cannabis come up for you? Give us the uh, give us the journey that you've been on. Oh, journey is the easy way to put it. Uh, I think anybody who has aspired to, who has gone into cannabis from a pure entrepreneurship standpoint, most likely has a similar story where it basically was, here's your timeline and that's what you thought your kind of time to market would be and it ends up being exponentially longer. (laughs) So my own story is, is probably not too dissimilar than many. I was a 
light cannabis user, I'd say is the best way to put it. When I first got introduced to this project, which was uh, February of 2018, uh, I had spent my career to that point in investment banking. And I had a coworker call me. It was like, hey, I got a friend who's trying to raise money for a project. Would you mind taking the call? And I was like, I asked my normal lineup of questions, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. who, what, where, when, and why. And the response was, this one's different. Can you just take the call? And I was like, sure. What's it, what's going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. What um, am I in for? So long story short is I, I jumped on the phone first time with uh, one of the, the founders of, of Levia and kind of heard this concept of cannabis beverages. And I was like, all right, you know, my kind of normal mode of thinking is trying to break things as fast as possible to prove yeah. someone's concept doesn't work. And this yeah. was one I simply couldn't break. It. <laughs> I was like, it makes so much sense. We're a society that gathers around drinks. We get it. And all of a sudden someone's like, all we're doing is adding a different active ingredient. Like to me, that makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, um, yeah that was February of 18. And by September of 18, we had raised the first couple million that we needed to do the project. I was moonlighting in my previous career at the time until basically kind of got to the point where the local Boston management team knew what was up and given the federal <laughs> statute and the banking laws are kind of like, yeah. you can't do this. So I politely said, I, I got to see about a girl and I, I exited stage left and uh-huh. dove into the deep end with, uh, I say four or five cinder blocks connected to my feet and we just tried to swim. And from there it was, it was very much a project of living through some really slow drawn out periods and then mm-hmm. having these like total exhilarating successes and then hoping the joy of those successes would be enough to kind of satiate you for the next six months till you hit the next milestone. And so, yeah, from, so September of 2018 started really doing this full time and we finally made it to market on February 16th of 2021. So obviously a long window there of time of, of raising capital, of checking regulatory boxes, building a facility, building a facility through a global pandemic, (laughs) building a product, changing your business plan 2,700 different ways. And then all of a sudden really figuring out like, Hey, look, this segment keeps coming up. It's continuing to evolve. And when we hit market in February of, of this year, I don't think anybody could have imagined the growth trajectory we would immediately be on, but it certainly made those scary days in the beginning of staring at the ceiling going, why are you doing this all (laughs) worthwhile? Because we're the first cannabis beverage company to ever do a million dollar month, and we achieved that in July. So, uh, yeah. pretty pretty exciting place to be. And obviously, I think the market's really just in its infancy with oh, with yeah. more upside than and more optionality and innovation. And, and really, the what makes this industry so exciting is that this type of project it can be anything to anyone, and and there's there's no right form factor or right reason to do it. So. That keeps uh, my busy mind really focused on let's just continue to create awesome products that the consumers can wrap their heads around. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm curious, what was in place when you first got involved? Like, what, where was the business? What was in place? What was your kind of next step, you know, what, once you kind of really got involved in the company uh, on a full-time basis? Don't want to sound rude, but to call it a company at that point is giving it far too much credit. It was a slide deck with $0.00 behind it. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, I had this weird desire to be involved with something from the ground floor. And so I said, look, I was 30 years old at the time, no kids, went home, said to my wife, if I'm going to take a flyer, this is the time in our lives to do it. Actually, the first 
investor was myself. And, and I said, I'm going to do this from the inside out because yep. if you're going to take a risk, take a risk on yourself. Yep. And off we went. So it was very much in its earliest days. And, and I'd say we really started that day in June of 18 when I finally did uh, invest my own money and, and put my name behind this project. Yeah. And what were the first steps? I mean, uh, you know, beverage obviously is a little tricky, right? You're dealing with, you know, some cannabinoids that are fat soluble. You're trying to put them into a beverage. Or like There's all sorts of technical challenges from just a product formulation point of view. There's processing challenge. There's market retail space challenges. I mean, we're how did the kind of series of hurdles kind of come at you and how did you kind of overcome them? We overcame them purely by brute strength and, and heart and soul, perseverance, however you want to say it. But I'd say the biggest first challenge was finding real estate. And I tell everybody who's interested in this industry, the hardest yeah. parts of the real estate you have, especially so in Massachusetts, the way that they have created the industry is the cities and towns are governed slightly different. Here in Massachusetts, the cities have to accept some number of recreational licenses. And it's it's a math equation against the amount of full-time residents and package stores. So you start looking, you're like, okay, where can we go? We were looking at different communities. I think we probably explored 13 or 14 different towns before finally settling on Georgetown, Massachusetts, which frankly, it's a one stoplight town about 10 miles south of the New Hampshire border. I grew up in the area and I never knew Georgetown existed. So <laughs> um, we that was our first big challenge was, was finding a piece of real estate that was in the cannabis zone, whether it be a new build or an existing, we didn't really care. We just, we knew loosely kind of the the square footage requirements we were going to need. Uh, then we went to the local community board of selectmen and got our host community agreement, which is basically just uh, your contract with the community that allows you to operate in the cannabis industry. Uh, mm -hmm. From from there, uh, in the case of the, the lot that we found, it was a, a ground up new build. We started the zoning and planning board approvals kind of early 2019, took 26 weeks to kind of get our site plan approval and all the environmental pieces put together. So much of, of 19 was spent kind of raising capital and, and getting the building designed. Ran into some unforeseen challenges just given our landlord, but those challenges are now behind us. Good. Uh, unfortunately, then 2020 began and right when we were ready to break ground was just about yeah. the same time that the pandemic began and we weren't quite sure what our timelines were going to look like, but thankfully because it was construction and it was primarily outdoors, we didn't have too much of a delay. Uh, so from basically March of 20 to December 14th of 20, we were under construction, finally got our occupancy certificate issued December 14th of 2020, finalized the license and operational statutes with the, the state of Massachusetts and got our commence operations February 12th, and then we had the 72-hour hold, which would have put us on February 15th, which this year was President's Day, so we actually launched the product that Tuesday. And all the while, I had uh, identical twin sons six days prior to going to market, so it was I was trying to coordinate all of this from sitting in a locked hospital ward in Boston, so it was uh, oh definitely high stress. You were birthing multiple things at the same time, <laughs> or, or at least involved in the birthing. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's one thing to, you know, build a facility, create a product, uh, you know, formulation, being able to kind of kind of build it, but getting it to customers, you know, getting into their hands, you know, helping people or allowing people to purchase another thing. Like how, how did the whole kind of distribution, retail, 
side of this go? How, I mean, what, what was the process for figuring that out and how did you solve that problem? You know, it may be one of the few places that I'll say definitively how long it took us to do everything actually played in our favor. Yeah. Um, we had a chance, frankly, we had a couple of years of time where most of the dispensaries knew who we were, what we were up to yeah. loosely or, or more involved, depending on whether that, whether we were looking to source flour through them or, or what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept getting the same answer. It was like, guys, this is an awesome idea. We will definitely carry your product, but you're not ready yet. And this industry takes three times as long as you anticipate. So just keep at it. So by the time we got our occupancy certificate, so late 2020, December 2020, we had brought on a head of sales who happens to be one of my founding partners, former bosses, who was just looking to make a change. And we tasked him with getting out in the market. And we said, if we can pre-sell our first two full batches of product, it'll give us the runway to do this and do it successfully. Sure enough, we had 36 dispensaries signed up for that initial launch. And to date, we've only lost one customer. And we're at, I think, north of 110 dispensaries in Massachusetts already, uh, now seven plus months into it. Yeah. And and how is the, I mean, how's it actually taking place in the dispensaries or what's the actual dispensary experience or how have you kind of managed the, the shelf strategy, say, of product? I mean, you're, you're kind of a funny category, right? Are, are you showing up in a cooler? Are you showing up just on the shelf? How do, how do you, how do you kind of get positioned inside the facilities? Yeah. So, I mean, you think about the space that a hundred can, 12 ounce cans takes up is yeah. uh, a lot bulkier than a hundred or even a thousand pre-rolls. So, yeah. Working with our dispensary partners and figuring out the best way to promote the product, to show the product, and then also do everything in a compliant manner, right? So everything's behind the counter anyway. All of our dispensary partners get a branded refrigerator, and and frankly, we fill it with water cans. That's the little secret so that it can be out on the floor and people can see and touch it. But at the same point, (laughs) there's no active cannabinoids. Fascinating. Um, and from there, it's, yeah, you just, you figure it out. I mean, there's a thousand different ways that our, our customers have figured out the product positioning within their own store and, and vault and however it works. But um, the one the one constant is everyone has displays either built into their lines or built into the walls or whether it's televisions or hard products of all the different things that they offer, whether they be house brands, national edible brands, Levia, you name it, they're, they're all there and they kind of just position it themselves and make cool displays. So that's very, very often how the product's presented. I am definitely looking forward to the time in the future when this becomes more of a grocery store experience, liquor store experience, yeah. where you can actually go in and touch the different things and, and interact with it. Because frankly, you put your hands on something, you, you can understand what it is. And, and that, yeah. again, is just a natural consumer behavior that at the moment, we're we're still just lucky to exist, and we're not quite able to get there yet. Yeah, yeah. And where do you see the market? I mean, what what is the demand for cannabis beverages these days? Where, like, how has this kind of, I guess, developed, matured, evolved over the last year or two? Because it's, I mean, it's a fairly new category. But you know, obviously, it's a on one hand, it's it's a pretty different form factor for cannabis, but it's a hugely familiar factor for other you know, other products, right? And so where do you see this? Where do you see the market right now? I think the market's definitely still in the first or second inning in terms of what this can be in the long term. Yeah. Um, the infused products category as a whole is obviously growing exponentially. I think the beauty of the beverage segment as a whole is that it hits as a form factor that in a way that settles total universal norms, right? Like I've always made the joke, people call baseball the American pastime. 
it's not. Going to the game is actually relatively boring, but you go with your friends and maybe you have a, a few $11 beers at Fenway. And you know what? That's the social experience. That's what you're going to remember. All we're doing is, is giving somebody the exact same experience and shared social norms with a different active ingredient. And you couple that with coming out of a respiratory pandemic and all of a sudden it's like the idea of passing a joint around isn't as enticing as it once was. <laughs> Not to mention smoking things is rather obtrusive to those around you. When you have something in a can, it could be anything, right? So it's it's very hard for those who are maybe m- more negative on the industry to to fight back on something where it's zero calorie, zero sugar, water-based product. It's it's just like anything else that they consume in their daily life. Just in this case, it does have cannabis. So over the long term, uh, I truly believe the segment's only going to continue to grow and evolve. More entrants are certainly coming. And I've, uh, I've kind of put my life on it saying that sometime in the future, there's not a reason that a cannabis beverage can't be on every draft line in America. We just yeah. got some legal challenges before we can get there. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. So tell me a little bit about how you're kind of seeing the space and how you've kind of chose to kind of position your product. I mean, there's there's various kind of beverage products out there using kind of various technologies and for the formulations and things like this. Like, what's your take on kind of what different kind of beverage technologies or formulations are and how have you kind of chosen yours? Yeah. So first I'll talk about our own. Like we were very fortunate in the midst of product development, actually through a, a college classmate of mine, we got introduced to a young scientist who had created her, developed her own technology for solubilizing plant botanicals. Uh, okay. Obviously cannabis being a plant, that's that's yep. where we started. <laughs> and I think frankly, what she's created is is revolutionary and it's changing the industry. And we just are the first commercial adoption of said technology. When you look across the other industry participants, many of them use the same two or three emulsion providers. The products are okay. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to go deep into the science, right? Like what we use, you have 100% bioavailability inside 15 minutes. Generally speaking, most people take consumables and they're getting somewhere between 60 and 70% of the effective dose. Yeah. So five milligrams isn't five milligrams. In the case with us, the five milligrams is exactly that. It's five milligrams. So, And how, and how do you get a 15-minute onset? I mean, what's, what is the underlying just through this technology that you have? Yeah. So, I mean, frankly, it all comes down to the efficiency of water in your bloodstream, right? When we have a water-based product, our bodies are made up primarily of water. This young lady's technology, she's a pharmacist by trade with a specialty in drug delivery systems. So it kind of hits on a lot deeper science and and I have to kind of cage what I say because I took one science (laughs) class in college, so I don't want to totally misrepresent it, but um, it is dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> right. You know, it, it, it's, I'm passionate about the product and, and she's passionate about the science and together we just want to help people. Yeah. Um, and it is, it, it's all based on the efficiency of, of this system, getting the cannabinoids into your body. Very often with edible products, they digest through your liver. That's the delayed onset. Yeah. In this case, it's, it's starting to absorb through your stomach lining, which is similar to the effects of alcohol. Mm-hmm. So when you do drink a levia for, and you're sipping on it, you don't have a delayed onset. You don't have the onset of when you smoke something where it kind of punches you across the face. Yeah. It's this very pleasant feeling where it kind of washes over you. And yeah. 20 minutes go by, you finished your first one, and you're not going to notice it. And all of a sudden, you're going to be sitting there with friends or watching a movie, and you're going to realize, like, wow, I'm just in a better place. I'm laughing a little mm-hmm. bit more, or I'm more interested in, in the film that I'm watching, or whatever the case may be. And for us, that's that's really the goal is to create something that 
doesn't jolt you, that you can just kind of enjoy it in your life, in your own reference. And we get asked all the time, who's your target market? And I kind of laugh and I go, everybody. <laughs> Anyone who drinks. Right. It's, you know, we look at folks from my parents' baby boom generation who used to consume cannabis back in some part, early, yeah. earlier parts of their life. And for whatever reason, they stepped away from it, primarily due to the legality challenges. And, and now... For that group, I mean, you call it mid to late 60s, it's like, this is such a better alternative than drinking a glass of wine or having a cocktail because they can relax. There are all the health benefits of the cannabis. And oh, by the way, no hangover. So I use my own mother as my case study, right? She's 65 years old, will drink one glass of Chardonnay and have a headache, yeah. but she'll drink a Celebrate with when our family's all together and she finds herself more engaged sitting there, yeah. less worried about the pile of laundry or cleaning something up. Like, and, and to me, that's the beauty is that it can be whatever you want it to be. The backside of that is obviously like the 21 to 34 year old demographic will I mean, that's a huge part of any consumer product success story. And we're very fortunate that we can kind of come on the back of the growth and the success of the hard seltzer trend by creating something just like that. However, I'll say it's healthier, right? You can't take the alcohol calories away. In this case, you do have a zero calorie product. Yeah. And for some part of the population, that's, uh, that's super important. And you're, seeing, you're starting to see the, uh, what I would call can of curious consumers find these products and, and realize that, Wow, this is this is something that I should be uh, including in my daily life. Yeah, and how I can't remember how the Massachusetts laws are set. I mean, can you consume this product outside, or what's the what's the consumption laws for Massachusetts? It's technically supposed to be in the <laughs> comfort of your own home. Okay. You know, I, I've always said it's it's kind of the don't ask, don't tell policy in some yeah. things. Like I'm. I can't tell you what I'm going to do, but if you pour this into a solo cup and you're standing in a parking lot at a at this yeah, weekend's yeah. at like the Patriots Bucks game this weekend, guess what? No one's no one's going to notice the difference. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of figuring out. It's like where, yeah, where where are we in? And I mean, we can you know we can run around and down a, a six hard seltzers and no one says a word. But you know, it's like but we're still kind of dealing with policy issues around this. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting because I think that's that's a lot of when we talk about the beverage space and particularly when you you know start talking about consumption lounges and things like that it's like well you know that that's really going to change the game right we've got the product and now if we've got you know the the social policy and the social kind of place to actually consume you know with friends and and things like that like that's that's going to really change the space absolutely and i think that's really what i look at as as the next shoe to drop in this space is yeah. is the idea of social consumption coming along and then you think about, well, social consumption, what does that mean? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Again, just growing up in Massachusetts and using our own backyard as the example, I don't even recall smoking sections in restaurants, right? So the idea of a social consumption lounge being allowed to have on-site smoking, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So then you start thinking about form factors and, okay, well, what actually works? So am I going to go sit at a social consumption lounge and like eat an entire chocolate bar and then just like <laughs> wait for it to set in? That doesn't seem very social to me. But in this case, right, you can go to someplace and we, I work with friends who are career bartenders and say, Hey, let's make some mocktails using the levy and like, just play with the recipes and make fun things. Yeah. And we do that for our own enjoyment. Why can't we just do branded social consumption lounges around that concept of like, yeah. Hey, you know what? The beauty of a zero calorie, zero sugar seltzer is, the flavors are nice, but you can upgrade those flavors however you see fit. I mean, I'm, I constantly will, 
like on a Saturday, take one of our seltzers and, and mix it with some sort of juice. And it's, it's like a spin on a mimosa, but yeah, you know, exactly. it tastes a little different. It tastes in my mind, it tastes better. And, um, uh-huh. And you're off to doing your jack. I'm thinking Bloody Mary. I'm thinking a cannabis Bloody Mary would be the best. Yeah. You know, and that's like the whole thing, right? Is is that it's hard given the the inability to commingle alcohol and cannabis and 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 keep things separate. But yeah. if you think about your morning routine, you go to brunch and you traditionally get a Bloody Mary, it's like, well, well maybe you mix it with our tincture someday instead of vodka and you're yeah. just you're getting you're actually probably better for it. you get the vitamins yeah. from the tomato juice and then exactly you know get a little bit of a buzz on and, and go about your day yeah yeah what um and uh where where are you with the offset time so if you're for your onset time as you said you know roughly 15 minutes how long is the effect last for for a beverage format yeah. Um, so we pride ourselves. We use full spectrum CO2 oil. So we really believe in the entourage effect and, and yeah. that, that kind of whole whole plant concept. So the offset is anywhere between two, two and three hours. Um, mm-hmm. We did do product formulation using isolates and, and distillates. And really, I just found them to be far too jumpy. Uh, yeah. I like the well-rounded concept of, of the full spectrum oil. And the benefit, the health benefits in, in the, of all cannabinoids, right? I mean, we're, we talk so much about THC and CBD, but there's so much power behind this plant and we're just scratching the surface in, in terms of educating the consumer on what else yeah. is out there. And, and where are you um, with shelf life? I mean, I can, one of the problems or one of the challenges I can imagine is, you know, this stuff in dispensaries, you know, in distributors, you know, sitting in people's fridges and pantries and things like that. What, well, given the fact you're dealing with an organic compound here, what's what's the shelf life that you, you're able to get? Uh, so per state regulations, we have a, a stated shelf life of one year from the test date. It's like anything, that's yeah. that's what we go off of. Our, I believe our, our realistic shelf life's longer, but um, for legal yeah, reasons, it's one it. year. And where do you see this market going? I mean, uh, you know, so, you know, it's a challenge for every cannabis business that we can't cross state lines with with THC. How do you grow and expand this company? I mean, tell me a little bit about how you're looking at, you know, kind of the, the U.S. cannabis market and how you're going to approach this. Well, if you had asked me this question a few <laughs> weeks ago, I probably would have a drastically different answer. But um, early September, we announced uh, the signing of a definitive agreement to sell the business to uh-huh. Air Wellness, best in class multi-state operator currently operating in seven, soon to be eight markets. When we first hit market and saw our immediate success and, and I, my, my partners and I started to strategize on like, how do <laughs> yeah, exactly. we expand? How do we go to other markets? It's a tremendous regulatory battle and it's a tremendous yeah. capital battle. Doing this in one market, we sold it as a proof of concept from the very, very beginning. And quickly, I mean, we're talking within the first... 10 weeks of being in market, we were fielding takeout offers from many MSOs who had kind of bought into the fact like, wow, this beverage thing really has a future. So by partnering with Mr. Sandelman and Air Wellness, uh, I, I think we're going to take this product coast to coast and, and continue to expand into new states as, as recreational programs become available. And that to me is super exciting because if we can just take the situation we've created in Massachusetts and replicate that in other states, there's a, a story here where 30, 40 years from now, we're talking about great American brands, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, Levia. You know, it's it's that kind of power of what the growth of this segment could be. Yeah, that's no, great. 
And what I mean, what does the competition look like at this point? I mean, when you're kind of looking at this market, who who do you kind of see as being kind of the big players in the beverage space for cannabis? So if you look at the statistics, I mean, realistically, ourselves in Can, which is an LA based company, are really one and two in the national league tables. We're only in Massachusetts, and we our data kind of trails the market about one month. So we should see the August data in the next week or so. But for July. Levia did just shy of 1.2 million in Massachusetts. Can did 1.4 million nationally. 750 grand of that's California, and that's six times yeah. the population of Massachusetts. So I think we actually have a uh, have positioned ourselves in a way that we really should be the the lead dog. After that, there are constantly new SKUs coming mm-hmm. to market. Uh, some legacy players, whether it's Tinley or Keefe, and, and and they do okay, but. It's uh, it's definitely an open playing field, and and it's uh, it's fun to to kind of be in the the starting gate yeah. with a couple new upstart brands who who believe in the same things we do, which is superior products, trying to help people, activism, doing this the right way. The cool part about working in cannabis is that nobody came from this industry, right? Like you all had to have your start somewhere else. So it's this awesome collaborative nature where yes, there are competitor, but. Frankly, Luke Anderson from Candy's from the town next to where I grew up in, in Boston. Mutual yeah. friends. It's like you, you want to see people succeed because it's a rising tide yeah, of yeah. ships. And any big um, kind of policy changes, you know, state level or federal level that that you're really kind of watching. I mean, we talked a little bit about the consumption lounge stuff, but what are you kind of looking at in terms of regulatory kind of landscape here, and that would really kind of change your business, you know, in different ways. You know, when it comes to the regulatory standpoint and kind of policy. I go put on my old capital markets hat and I go, I really, really hope we can get some of these banking reforms in play. The more access to capital, the access to debt facilities, just traditional banking products that we can bring to this industry, the more legitimacy we will bring for the industry as a whole. And again, it's not about the folks who are already consumers. It's about helping those who are still a little bit hesitant to participate, that if we can continue to normalize this and and put all of the same resources that other CPG brands have access to, the better chance we are to continue to convert net new users and show them that, look, this is, it's plant-based medicine. Like you really, you, you should not be scared of it. Yeah. Matt, this is my pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Levia, what's the best way to get that information? Absolutely. I mean, all social media channels, it's, it's Levia Brands. Our website is uh, www.levia.buzz. So B-U-Z-Z. That's kind of our little yeah. game on it. There is a portal on there. You can ask questions. It comes to our senior management team. We respond to all the questions directly because really we, we like to engage with the consumers and uh, answer the questions because you know what? This is uh, There's no case study here. So we're all learning every day. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes. And Absolutely. I'm going to be up in mass in a couple weeks. I'll make sure to find the product and I'll try it out. Thank you, Bruce. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.